Yeah, and I mean, Coke started at the Metropolitaniano, whatever the fuck. Uh, the, <laughs> I, always, I always mess it up. That's going to end up at the beginning of the pod. Yep, um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> however, however you want to call the Atletico Madrid Stadium, Coke Vegas has started there. So anyway. I, I didn't know that. Wow. I think I'll spare you, Todd. It's okay. Thanks, buddy. Oh, my gosh. You can't leave that out. Come on. <laughs> equity of up to 150 million pounds we want to try to reduce this gap i think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 127, and it is the first episode of the season without a real game because the season's over and we're it's summertime. And there's plenty to discuss, though, in the world of Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, I've got my two friends, Todd and Caroline, alongside. We'll start by throwing it out to Caroline. She is at CG Steph Go. Kaz, how are you? Yeah, doing okay. It felt weird to wake up this morning and not have any football on. I mean, I guess I could have watched like La Liga, but let's be real. I'm not going to do that. Um, but yeah, I kind of, I miss Spurs a little bit, but I also don't at the same time, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I fall strictly in the latter part of that. I I am was more than satisfied to not have to wake up early and watch a Tottenham Hotspur match. And I, that's news to me, actually. I did not know La Liga was still going on. I thought all the leagues kind of wrapped up last week. I knew there were some, some cup matches going on. Of course, uh, Manchester City, uh, won the FA Cup. Um, I know there was a Scottish Cup, which I'm sure we'll come on to talking about as well for for particular reasons. And uh, you know, obviously the Champions League final is next week, so I know there's still soccer going on, but not Tottenham Hotspur soccer. So uh, we can really appreciate that. TC is also with us. He is at TC underscore Cashow. Todd, what's up, my friend? You know, any day that you uh, you get to chat about hope springing eternal once again. Uh, it, it is a good day, my friend. It's uh, it's nice to not have to look at the same old names on the team sheet and expect them to underperform because uh, they're not playing. Uh, it's also nice to uh, chat with you as always. Uh, and it is nice to hear positive, I don't know, um, hope-inspiring things coming out of the Tottenham camp this morning, Andrew. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on. Obviously, we're recording this on uh, Sunday early afternoon, late afternoon on the East Coast, I guess. Um, and I, I, look, I woke up very early this morning. I, I I was had to catch a flight back home, did a little travel this weekend, but um, woke up very early this morning to the news that Harry Kane was bound for Real Madrid. And this was uh, the, the, the dreaded scenario where Kareem Benzema is leaving Madrid and, and Harry Kane's going to go and replace them because that's what the Spanish newspapers say is going to happen. So obviously... It's going to happen. And, you know, we, we just take things uh, that are written on the Internet at word. Um, and that's been the big news. Of course, earlier in the week, we all thought Harry Kane was going to depart for the NFL uh, after his appearance on Good Morning America. So um, second time, for some reason, that story has come up in the last handful of years because Harry Kane wants to talk about it. Um, and then later in the day here, we get news of Ange Postacoglu, who is is apparently imminent. I mean, this is a thing that's happening. So. There's really the two big headlines of the week. There's some other stuff that we're going to get into as well. But uh, let's let's start with the Harry Kane of it all, because I think that is an important story to address. And I, on from my standpoint, Caroline, I don't my opinion on this whole thing hasn't really changed. I mean, I know that everyone wants to lose their mind about Real Madrid and Benzema leaving and um, just the opportunity that it that there would be for Harry Kane to go join a club like Real win something and then perhaps return to Spurs after maybe I've even heard discussion of loan. Um, I've heard discussion of his, you know, him needing to sign a new contract because he's entering the final year. And why would you let him walk away for free in a year and go to anyone, have some control over it, get some money back. Where are we on all of this in, in, in your mind? Because like I said, I haven't really changed my opinion. I don't think the guy's going anywhere. I don't either. And I just remind myself that all of these newspapers and magazines have to sell copies, you know, or get clicks online, what, whatever you have. 
Um, yeah, I just don't see it happening. And even the idea of a loan is ridiculous because if we're not going to, you know, let him go and get a fee this year, why on earth would we let him go on just a loan and not at least get the benefit of him playing for us his final year? That doesn't make sense. Right. Um, and I just don't see him taking the risk of going overseas when he's in his peak and still chasing the Premier League goals record. I mean, you know, I, a lot of people have said he could go for a couple of years and come back and still get it. But that's to me, that's that's too risky when, you know, his injury situation has been much better in the past couple of seasons. But that's not guaranteed. No. So I just can't see him making that kind of mental calculus that it's it's worth the risk. That's because it's not worth the risk, Andrew. It's 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 not remotely close to worth the risk. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think that that Harry Kane is in the legacy building phase of his career. He understands where he's at and what he needs to do to reach Alan Shearer's record. And I, I think he, with the fourth baby on the way, I, I truly believe that he's resigned himself to to staying at Spurs at least for the immediate future. Um, I, I don't think that there's any allure to you know. For, for Harry of Madrid at this point in time, I'd love to see him sign a shorter term deal, maybe a two or three year deal, and then revisit it at that point in time. Um, if, you know, once he's broken the record and once we've won a couple of things and then he wants to go, that's, you know, more power to him. Um, but I, I, I don't, there's, there's no, <laughs> there's no actual thought in my mind that he's going to go anywhere this summer. Let me, let me pose it to you both this way. If, if Harry Kane, is not uh, enthralled by the choice of what looks like is going to be Postacoglu coming in. Um, if if it is something, he goes to the club and says, "I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna re up with you guys. I'm gonna let the contract run out. I'm gonna play this year, and then I'm gonna gonna leave on a free next summer." At that point, do you have to at least entertain the idea that it would be better for the club to get a little bit of value back for him this summer? Move it, you know move the timeline up, move him on and kind of really rip the bandaid and fully rebuild this thing. Sans Harry Kane, or do you just let him play out the year and, and then have this be the farewell season of Harry Kane going forward? What, what is, what is better for the mindset of Spurs fans? What is better for the club itself at that point? A hundred million dollars, a hundred million pounds or whatever is better for the club at that point in time. But, um, you know, realistically, um, what's a hundred million pounds worth to, to to in football currency to Daniel Levy? Just because we sell a player for X amount of a fee doesn't mean Daniel Levy's immediately going to go out and and replace him. Uh, you know, ask Christian Eriksen, shit, ask Kyle Walker, uh, ask Musa Dembele. Like it's just these are players that we we're still waiting for 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 like for like replacements on. Um, so I to. To think that we could somehow benefit this club by letting go of Harry Kane um, is is tough to put my head around at this stage, Andrew. Yeah, I just think it's hard to think of a fee that would be worth what we're losing in him as a player. And you also have to consider, you know, we've gone through this whole conversation of saying he's unlikely to want to go overseas. So then if you presume he's staying in England, do we really want to be strengthening a top four rival like United or Newcastle? You know, is that worth the, the, the transfer fee to us? And I, I think probably not. So it seems more likely to me that he would, that the club would allow him to just play out his last year of his contract and then focus on the rebuild after that. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know that for, if it is, hundred million pounds, hundred million euros, whatever, whatever figure you want to throw out there. I don't know that you're getting two players who do both the, the, the jobs plural that Harry Kane does for this club in terms of goal scoring and chance creation uh, that would replace him for that, that amount. I agree with you. Um, not to mention, I think that uh, going into this season, there's, there's no European football. The focus is going to be getting back into the top four, obviously, if, if at all possible, even though I think, many would believe that that is, you know, not very likely with, with, with what, we, what we're looking at going into the season. But I think having Harry Kane gives you the best ability to crack yourself back into European football and maybe even into the Champions League rather than not having him. And that could, that, the value of that alone could be worth, you know, holding on to him at this point, uh, if you ask me. But I just, I don't know. 
I, I don't know where that that benchmark is and 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 what his value is really too, whether it's to Madrid or whether it's to you know a Manchester United who I know has been thrown out there as well. I just I don't know that he's he's more valuable, Andrew, to anybody in the world, any football team in the world than he is to Tottenham Hotspur. Correct. I think that's 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 well said. That's I think that's what I was trying to say. Just didn't do it as glo- as uh, as gloriously as you did. Um, I, like I said, I don't know what else there's to say about Harry Kane. I, he's not playing in the NFL next year. I know that. Um, even though he wants, I, do, do we find it at all weird that he keeps bringing that up? This is like the second or third time in the last handful of seasons that he's come over to the states and brought up the idea that he's a big NFL fan and would like to kick in the NFL one day. He just I wants there. Yeah, he wants there to be a bidding war from all the NFL teams when he retires from you know regular football they uh they're all gonna have to fight for him todd you think he could you think he could kick in the nfl i don't i absolutely i absolutely think he can kick in the nfl i think it's what, a... what do you need what do you need as a place kicker in the nfl you need to be accurate you need, and a you lot. need to have and you need to have nerves of steel and harry kane is that man how many great kickers are there in the nfl there's probably Three or four, maybe really good to great kickers I'm, in the NFL right now. I, right now, sure, yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. If you're a great kicker in the NFL, like you kick in the NFL for like 20 years. Yeah, that's fair. And maybe he'd probably he can, be happy to be not so good a kicker and just be there for the experience. All I'm saying is, you can't tell me that he's not better than 32 other guys. I think it I would, think a year. I think a year. I think a year of practice. And I think Harry Kane absolutely beat somebody out on, on an NFL roster. Our, our non-American, non-NFL fan listeners are just like, you know, probably bashing their heads into a wall right now with this conversation because they're like, what what, what the hell are we wasting time? And that's kind of the way I feel about it too. Like, why, yeah, are, fair we enough. Wasting, why are we wasting time on talking about Harry Kane to the NFL? But he's, ta- he's wasting his own time talking about it. So I just figured I would throw it in because it is, um, it's at least a little bit funny to me. So I, I don't know. Harry Kane, can we put that to bed? I, I this conversation is going to continue throughout the summer and continue throughout, you know, a managerial appointment that we think is kind of imminent now at this point. And again, nothing set in stone, but Postacoglu wraps up his season with Celtic, and now all of a sudden, word is, in the next couple of days, he's the man that that the Tottenham are after. Um, this is. I'm going to put it this way. This is exciting with cautious optimism to me because it's, it feels like this is something that's finally going to get done. It feels like um, it's not a big name, which I kind of didn't really want a big name. Even, even, even though I was all in on the idea of Julian Nagelsmann, who I think would be considered a big name. That's now a guy that's being considered for the PSG job. So it's like, I don't want that guy either. What are we even thinking about there? This seems like a step up. Now it's not a young guy, Postacoglu, fifty-seven years old. He's six years older than than Chelsea's new manager, Mauricio Pochettino. Yeah. So, uh, not a young guy, but it's still, it's something that I can I can definitely get behind and and be in favor of, Todd. So I put in some some effort on on researching this guy to understand how he got to where he got. And the one thing that I want to say about this guy is that I, I really truly think that he is a perfect pick for Tottenham. Because he is the type of manager that religiously comes into something aside, but religiously comes into like a mid-table side and then takes them to championship level form. Uh, he originally did so with like his hometown team in a lower league in Australia, and then did so with uh, a team in the Australian A League and turned them. They're, they're like the Brisbane Boars or something. They literally called them. Did the uh, Australian media Boar Salona, which I thought was pretty worthwhile for this pod. Um, and, and then if you remember, he took the Australian team to an Asian cup final and beat young men's son in 2015 to win Australia's first major, uh, international title ever. Then went to Japan, crushed it in the J league, broke all sorts of scoring records, and then went over to Celtic and just won the eighth treble in club history uh it's pretty fucking spectacular and and he is the antithesis of Mourinho and Conte in the sense that we it is see your pants football Andrew and and I think that that we as a Tottenham Hotspur fan base need that pendulum to swing back in the attacking fun to watch direction so badly 
that I don't think you could pick a better guy in this instance. I do think that that's a really good point because there is a very strong contingent of Spurs supporters who, if the football is not going to be good, they would at least like it to be exciting. And while I would just rather the football be good, no matter what I do fully subscribe to and understand that mindset as well. Um, and to your point, the, the numbers at Celtic don't lie. And I think this is where the conversation kind of turns though, from fans that are, how do I put this like delicately, uh, maybe getting a little too big for their britches in thinking that Spurs are above hiring a manager from the Scottish league. Um, and just think that they should be hiring the Mourinho's and Conte's and Nagelsmann's of the world. Um, but Caroline, I know you you kind of went off about this this mindset a little bit yesterday uh, on social media. Where where are you with this? Because I feel like we can't be we cannot be turning up our nose at giving these types of managers chances. And while jumping from the Scottish League to the Premier League would be a really big jump, I'm not denying that. I still think it's one that we can accept and embrace and hopefully nurture, especially with where the squad is right now. Right. I think, you know, I'm not super well informed on this guy. I'll be totally honest. But from what I have read, it sounds like someone who's really going to fit in well with kind of the, I don't want to say historical, but kind of traditional ethos of Tottenham Hotspur. You know, a team that really builds its way up not buys its way to success yeah. because um, he's someone who's had to kind of, you know, pay his dues, show his chops through different leagues and working his way up to the top. So in that sense, I think that's going to be a better option for us than someone who already has like the reputation of being, you know, a top class manager who's going to come in with certain expectations and not really understand where we're at right now as a club. Um, so I like that about him. And it sounds like he he has a pretty well-defined playing style because I've seen some criticisms that were like, you know, Brendan Rodgers and Steven Gerrard came out of the Scottish League and everyone thought they were going to do great. And it turns out like Scottish League was really their level. But, I, you know, they oh, I wow. don't think had quite that really as much of a... Wow. Well, yeah, I don't think I don't think that's a fair comparison because to me it sounds like Postacoglu is, you know, he's it, it's kind of insulting to compare him to someone like Steven Gerrard who like barely had any experience at the point when he moved to the Premier League. Um, yeah, so that's not really and fair. To be fair, to be fair, Postacoglu's appointment at Celtic was met with criticism, like, "Oh, this guy coming from the Japanese league, who's he ever managed? What could he ever do here?" Like they were looking at him in a similar fashion. So the fact that he'll be coming into that kind of skepticism is something that I think he relishes. He certainly manages with a chip on his shoulder, but if you look at it offensively, it sure as hell looks a lot like Pep Guardiola's offense. And I don't hate that at all. You know, it, it is funny. You bring up the fact that Celtic fans were unhappy and it is kind of the vibe that we're getting from a, a, a vast contingent. I'd, I'd say it's mostly 50, 50, but there is a contingent of Spurs fans who just think if we appoint this guy, it is just not ambitious enough. It's not, it's not the the mark of a big club. And it's that whole mindset of quote unquote big club that I just, I can't get over. Which I just don't get that attitude from our fan base because let's be frank. We saw what happened with the last two quote unquote elite managers. Like it is not a guarantee of success. So in, in this case, I think it makes sense when we're trying to sort of overhaul the club strategy over the past few years to be something that's a little more like progressive and forward thinking and not so reactionary. I think it makes more sense to go with a guy like this. And the one other thing I wanted to say on him is that I'm looking at the Celtic squad and, you know, it's pretty diverse. And I feel like one thing we've complained about in recent years is, you know, especially under Paratici, our scouting network being very limited and I think this is a manager who, you know, together with whoever is going to end up being our director of football and with Scott Moon, you know, could actually have some kind of innovative ideas about squad building. And it's also worth noting that he just won the Scottish double with 36-year-old Joe Hart as his starting keeper. <laughs> so if that's not a mark of, you who know, also, some savvy... Who also, I think, faced one shot in that, in that cup final and 
allowed one goal, but but the we're gonna ignore fans. that. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you on that. Um, it's it is interesting too, though. Like we talked about, Celtic fans were not happy when Postacoglu was hired, and now they love the guy, and they I don't think they really want to see him depart, but I think they understand. That's kind of the vibe that we've been reading, and I don't know it it it. There's a there's a little whisper of this is like a lesser known older brother of Pochettino style of manager, even, even with the look, you know, he's a bigger guy. He's got the beard, like the, the graying hair. It's just, I don't know. There's, there's a vibe here that, that is like, you know, Oh, this could be like, uh, you know, this could be uncle pasta Coglu coming in and just like giving us a warm hug and, and, <laughs> and greeting everyone. I don't That's know. the name of the fucking episode right there. Uncle pasta Coglu. Holy cannoli. That's the one. Uh, I, you're you're 100 right. This is the perfect hire for a variety of reasons, but mostly because you, if you hold Nadelsman up to uh, Mourinho or up to Conte, he's going to pale in comparison. And so everything is, is is in terms of name, in terms of resume, uh, the whole thing or CV for our English listeners. Uh, but you're looking at an appointment here where if he doesn't do great, we finished eighth this year. He doesn't have to do a whole lot to improve. Right. If if he doesn't do great in the first year, because he even talked about that, you know, he, he gave shout to the Celtic fans who stuck by him when the results weren't there early and it came good. He ended up winning, you know, in last year, I think he ended up going like, like 72 of possible 78 points in the Scottish league this year. He won the treble, like things are wild for that guy over there. And he's doing it with a couple of Tottenham rejects as we've, I mean, cast offs, I mean, not good enough to play for, I mean, Joe Hart and Cameron Carter Vickers in his lineup. And that these, these are the types of things we're like, Oh, okay. Well you can get, you know, uh, nobody McGregor to pass the ball to uh, a whole bunch of people and win a treble. Yeah. You, we, I have some Benton Kerr for, for you and let's see what we do. Right. Like, I, I don't want to speak disparagingly about the gentleman that they have up front. I think he's a very fine striker, but he's not Harry Kane. So let's see. I'm I'm also just really excited to get a few drinks to me one day and start to have my Baltimore accent come out and just start saying Ange post to Coglu and really like letting that flow <laughs> from, from my lips and, and seeing how that goes. Will um, it be in praise or 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 who knows, man? Who who could say? It's it's I, you know, with you saying that just now, <laughs> I feel like there's kind of a cosmic um brotherhood between the baltimore and australian accent because i could i could hear bits of both in that moment <laughs> you know there might even be some scottish thrown in there too just for good measure Who oh i kind of love that yes. what i would love to know however for our australian listeners that may be versed in american geography what is the australian equivalent of baltimore as far as the city is concerned that'd be fantastic yeah, maybe our maybe our friends from a bit Spursy can can do a little research for us and let us know about that and 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 get in touch. I'll let you know the uh, the characteristics of Baltimore and and uh, or, or, <laughs> and, and and we'll just we'll wrap about that and figure it out. So who knows? Um, it, it is interesting, guys. I'm I'm, I, it, it's it's cautious but optic optimistic at this point for me going into this week, thinking okay, we could have this done. The other question this this leads to though is. Should this club be going down this road in hiring a manager right now when there's still no director of football in place? Because I think that that should be the order of operations for this whole thing. Where where do we go with a director of football from here? Do Are we now just trying to pluck a director of football from thin air and plug him into a situation where here's your manager that you're going to work with rather than letting that that director of football choose that person? I suspect that it's been a little more difficult for them to nail down the director of football role. And that's why they're doing it in this order. But I don't think it's the end of the world because if we're actually being strategic about like the profile of manager and playing style that we want to have going forward, theoretically, you should be able to identify a director of football who's going to mesh really well with, you know, Postacoglu or whoever it may end up being. Um, so that, that doesn't concern me so much. And honestly, like, we don't want it to be such a long drawn out process for the manager. I mean, it already has been. And the longer we wait, the longer we have to wait to start making transfer decisions and the longer we have to wait for, you know, preseason to begin in earnest. So I personally am okay with it happening in this order. 
we need to have a solid understanding of, of what this football team is going to look like on the pitch so then we can start building it. The thing is, is that the last two managers had three managers, for, for lack of a, a, a better conversation, not including Ryan Mason, but had a, a, a kind of a similar approach that I don't necessarily know, one, that we have the personnel to continue trying to play, and two, that it's getting the most out of the players that we do have. And so it's refreshing to me to see somebody like Ange come in and, and possibly do something different um, and I think that if he is able to come in and, and express upon the Spurs leadership that these are the things that he's looking to do, I feel confident in the Spurs brass to um, put a director of football in place that's going to accomplish the goals uh, of Ange. I don't, I don't think that that could be overstated. The importance of that. Yeah, it is. It is super important. And honestly. We could be talking a week from now, and this whole thing has fallen apart, and there's a new flavor of the week. Who, who, who really knows? So we'll we'll kind of leave the managerial discussion there for right now. I do want to, um, before we kind of shift to talking about some of the the players, the uh, the players in the squad, I want to um, I want to have a a little shout out to Sevilla because Eric Lamella and Brian Heal defeated the mighty Jose Mourinho earlier this week in a Europa yes, League they final, did. which was really cool. And I also want to shout out Toby Alderweireld. Toby today uh, scored a 94th minute winner for Royal Antwerp, winning them his 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 hometown club the Belgian title for the first time since the 1950s. So shout no out! No way, as that's well. amazing. That's um, lovely. Yeah, that's just coming across. So f- former former Spurs doing well, winning titles all over the place, of course, because that is just the life that we live. Um, Love myself some Toby. And Let's, screw Jose. Yeah, all 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 in favor say aye. Yes, um, aye. Let's have a little short conversation, though, because we wanted to do this kind of once the season has ended about some players that are in the squad, some players that were on loan and just kind of do a little quick like buy sell loan type of look, because especially when we're talking about the potential of a manager coming in that we don't know is going to for sure want to play a back three is going to be want to be more attacking. I, I want to know like kind of where we are with this bloated squad and how it's going to get down. I think the word over the last week or so is that. There's going to be a lot of outgoing players. We're, we're talking Hugo Lloris. We're talking Eric Dyer, uh, which I know there were, were, was word a few weeks back about Dyer potentially getting a new deal, but I, I don't think that's, that's happening. not going to happen. It is yeah. not happening, and I couldn't be more excited about it. It does sound like uh, Dan Kulisewski is going to be sticking around, which I don't think was a guarantee even a week ago, but it, it, it feels more and more like that's going to be happening. So I, I guess the way I kind of want to do this is I just want to let you guys kind of bounce some names back and forth and and we'll have a conversation with it i i want to start with the the let's just start with the trio that i just brought up uh and i'll throw it's actually a duo and i'm gonna throw one more name in there hugo larice eric dyer and the other name i'm gonna throw in there is ivan perisic i am good with all three of these players waltzing out the door um never to be seen from again at tottenham hotspur thank you for your service any disagreements on on, on those three players I just feel regret about how it went down with Perisic because I was so excited about that transfer last summer. And I still think part of it is that he's better utilized as a traditional winger and not as a wing back as, you know, Conte was employing him. But it's it's probably good to let that just be a one-year situation and thank him for his time. And hopefully he he goes somewhere where he will be appreciated. Um, I'm totally good with him leaving. And the reason why is because I don't necessarily think that he ever fit the makeup of this team. I think that he was somebody that came in specifically for Conte to do a Conte job. And to be honest with you, I think it was a hell of a lot better or a hell of a lot easier for him to do that in Italy than it was for him to do that in the greatest league in the world where things are a lot faster and he's getting tested by a lot better players week in, week out on that wing. He's just not the same guy. The other thing is, is I think that his frailty uh, – I shouldn't say frailty. I, I think that uh, Ryan Sessegnon's frailty led to Perisic's uh, inadequacies being kind of the focal point down the stretch, especially. Uh, we expected a lot more from Ryan this year, and uh, I kind of think he let Perisic down. To be fair, though, they didn't like each other. And that was the other thing is that I don't really feel like Perisic fits in in, in the uh, in the room, and that's a massive deal. So. Well, here, here's what I'll say about that. You said we expect more from Ryan Sessegnon. I'm gonna I'm gonna make that a you might expect more from Ryan. I don't expect shit yeah, from fair, Ryan Sessegnon, um, because I don't think the guy can stay healthy. And here's the difference: 
Uh, Ivan Perisic is 34. Ryan Sessian is 23. So yeah, you're going to see the wear and tear if the 34-year-old has to play more often than the 23-year-old because the 23-year-old can't stay healthy. I think we, I think we underestimate what Ivan Perisic was for this club for this season too. The guy did lead the club in assists in all competitions with 12, uh, excuse me, with 13. Um, no, 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 I'm sorry. It was 12 and a goal. So 13 goals and assists in all competitions. Um, he played the sixth most, most minutes of any player for this club this season in all competitions, which is really remarkable. And like I said, the 13 goals and assists in all comps is third on the team behind Kane and son. Like he was a part of this thing. And yeah, was he played too much? Yeah. Was that his fault? No. Was he oftentimes stuck into a role that wasn't really for him? Yeah, he was that too. So I, I, I am not as down on the season that Paris had had uh, for this club. I just, I kind of think it is, it was a good little one year thing and it was a Conte thing. And now that Conte is not involved, I am ready to move on. Larice Dyer, I think we've we've said a lot about those guys. Where who who do you guys want to bring up next? Who who's who's on your mind that either you really want to stay, you really want to see go, you really think needs a loan? Caroline, where where are you with this? Well, I think we kind of had a bit of a debate in the group chat the other day about Ben Davis, mostly good natured debate. <laughs> uh, to me, he is a player who, like, undeniably, we can upgrade in terms of starting position but I still think he has something to give as a squad member, not just in terms of the fact that he, he is a very dependable player on the pitch, I think, but also I feel like we need to have at least a few holdovers from like the previous era, so to speak, um, just for the sake of like team culture and continuity. And I, I think he has some leadership roles as well. So yeah, I would ben, be ben disappointed to see him move on. Yeah. I ben like Ben. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Ben Davis. I mean, I, I think everybody knows this. I, I'm I'm totally fine with him being a squad guy. He gives you versatility too, which I think is super important in terms of he can play left back, he can play left center back in a three if you're if that's something you're gonna be doing. He can play left wing back and kind of do a job in all of those roles. And I'm not saying he's a bang on starter every week, but you do need a little bit of depth, even though we do have this mindset of shrinking down the squad and no European football and, you know, get those numbers down as tight as you can. But I still think that, that Ben Davis is a guy that is, you know, and he, and he still counts as a homegrown player too. Does he not, even though he's Welsh? I think so because Swansea, isn't that where he, yeah. he was trained and that's, that counts. So I think that's a good point though about versatility. Cause that could be really important as we start transitioning away from, you know, the Conte system into something more progressive. I feel like he has a lot to contribute there. So, agreed. We uh, we, we we talked a little bit about Kulisevsky earlier and, and and him sticking around, but in terms of in terms of some of the other attacking players, we already know that that Danjuma is is moving on. Um, so I think we can kind of ignore what what that was and 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 for what it was. But Kulisevsky sticking around, obviously, Sun Kane are are sticking around. At least we think Kane's sticking around. We 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 talked about that that at the top of the show, but. Um, in terms of other, uh, you know, attacking players, obviously, Lucas Danjuma, the, those are guys that are moving on. Richie stays? That, that was, yeah, that was the next name I was going to. Richardson is a name that is, is tough for me because I think he had a really, really bad season. And it really only looks bad in terms of the context of, of what he, you know, cost to, to bring in. I think that um, injuries played a part. I think the World Cup played a part. Um, there's a lot of different ways we can go with the Richarlison conversation, but as a depth piece in that front three, in that attacking set, I definitely think that he's a player that you expect a lot more from going into next season than he gave you this season, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, like you just politely glossed over the fact that there was a World Cup in the middle of the fucking season, and the guy basically ripped his hamstring at that. So I mean, I'm not glossing over. I think it's a factor for sure. I mean, a factor is 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 uh, a little bit of an understatement, but I'm. Well, here's the other so thing I... I'll say. Th- th- this comes from my own bias of when Richarlison was at Everton. All I saw the guy do was roll around on the floor and look for look for stuff that wasn't there. And when I saw him at Spurs this year, all I saw him do was roll around on the floor and look for stuff that wasn't there. Look, the the Champions League moment was was beautiful. The brace he scored against Marseille. Brilliant, loved it. Great moment for him. He had a he had a great World Cup. Obviously, scored probably the goal of the tournament. I, 
I'm not completely down on the guy, but I need a little bit more. I need a little bit more from a Charleston, and I need a little bit yeah. of not what he was at Everton. I need I need an evolution in his game. I need to see that. That's I fair. I expect a lot more from him this coming up season, and I'm hoping that he spends the summer working on um, beating the offside trap because I think that was honestly his biggest obstacle this season was. What a shout. Sheerly ridiculous number of times that he was offside. And a few of them, to be fair, I think were very questionable VAR decisions. But yeah, I I think he has a lot of potential. And again, a player who's versatile positionally. So, and I don't see any universe in which we let him go this summer. That's an interesting thing you bring up there. Do you think he has versatility positionally? I mean, that's a fair question because he's undeniably best at the striker role. And I think the the issue comes into play with he and son both favoring the left side. So if you're going to play him as winger, one of them has to be playing on the right. And I, I think perhaps son makes that shift a little better than he does. But the other thing is that we need to do a better job of actually rotating this season. I know we're going to have fewer games because we're not in Europe, but I think that was a thing that really, hurt us this season was Conte's reluctance to actually rotate and we saw that pop up with injuries you know overuse injuries um, especially to like the wing backs that was a huge issue so if he can just be whoever our new manager is they just need to be smarter about I think balancing the squad a little better the the now 26 year old Richarlison played uh excuse me started just about half the games that players like Ivan Perisic and, and Christian Romero did he started 17 games in all competitions played in 35 scored three goals had three assists um and obviously two of those goals came in that same match that I mentioned earlier so it was it was just it was not a productive season for him whatsoever that's quite obvious through in and to your point Todd a world cup. I'm not glossing over these things, but yeah, it was, it was a challenge through and through. It needs to be better next year. And by the way, I'm not going to excuse um, the struggles that, that young Min son even had this season, but young Min's done. Young Min son made uh, nearly 30 more starts than Richarlison did and still ended up scoring 14 goals and had six assists in, in, in his down season. So <laughs> that's... And to be fair, Sonny didn't excuse it either. <laughs> no, God, no, he, he, bitched and moaned about how poor he was playing all season long and wanted to be better. And we would expect nothing less from Sonny. So I'm there. There's a, there's a difference there, even though both had really bad seasons, I feel like there's a big difference in, in when you look at the numbers and look at the, the actual production and contribution to, to, to this team, what the, what the two players did. Um, Todd, where do you want to go next? Who do who do you want to bring up in this, in this conversation about, it's going to get spicy right now. Let's go. It's going to get spicy. Tongue and Domble. All right, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Tommy and Dombele. Let's talk about some of these lone players. Let's bring. Let's bring them all into the conversation. Why not? In Dombele, Lacelso, Brian Heal. Who am I missing? There's. There's others. Oh, Harry Winks. Ever heard of? Ever heard of him? Let's bring them all into this conversation. What do you? What do you got? What do you got on Tommy and Dombele? You want to see this guy back in Lily White? All I know, I I didn't say that. Okay. What I what I do want to say is in Angie's system. He likes to have eights that can play in the gaps and push forward, which Tongay does exceptionally well. Uh, Tongay had a very humbling yet a very successful season uh, in Italy. And uh, I think uh, some maturity goes along and a trophy goes a long way to settling a player's nerves and realizing what the opportunity was that he had in front of him playing in Lily White. If he comes back and he is a player that actually respects and, and, and understands and values the shirt that he's in, uh, then I absolutely want to see him because he's a world-class talent just so far. He's at a 10 cent head. So um, I, I think that there, I want to uh, be an optimist here. And I'm going to say that I think that there might be a place for him in a Postacoglu system. Caroline, where are you with that? Oh, <sighs> <laughs> that's exactly the, one, Hold on, that's exactly just, the response I, I wanted from that the 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 long sigh a deep sigh yes yeah <laughs> well it's just it is so hard for me to get out of my head that image of him slowly walking off the pitch yeah, in that tough. in that game yep you're not <laughs> I don't know. like Todd said if he if he has taken this time in Italy to actually mature as a player 
and I think get a better sense of what it means to be on a team and not just an individual on the pitch, then perhaps he could be a valuable contributor. I, it's going to take some convincing to, to prove that, I think. Um, but I will be honest, I think besides Brian Hill, he's probably the currently on loan player that I would be the most okay with returning. Before we get to Brian Hill, because I want to keep this conversation in the midfield really quickly, you've got Tongi Ndombele, you've got Giovanni Lacelso, you've got Harry Winks. I think of the three of them, it sounds to me like Ndombele would be the most likely to return and make an impact. There's already word about Lacelso, you know, going back to Spain on a permanent basis. I don't know that Harry Winks will be coming back. It's it, there was some maybe some bridges burned a little bit with some comments he made earlier in the year. With that, we'll see. But it's in the midfield to me, as it is most years, is the most interesting part of the way this team comes together because there is a ton of depth within this midfield. If you look at it from the standpoint of uh, Basuma came on late after his injury and actually looked like a little bit of a player, you're going to have Bentoncourt, not probably at the start of the season, but coming back from the ACL, you're going to have Pierre-Emile Hoybier still, and you're going to have Pat Matesar still as well. All of these pieces combined, and Oliver Skip, I didn't even mention Oliver Skip, so pardon me for even forgetting that young lad. You're going to have all of these names in this bunch, whether this is a two-man midfield, whether it's a three-man midfield, you probably still need a little bit more creativity, and I don't know if that's something that Ndombele brings to the table as kind of a, a, a an eight that fits in that slot or even playing him further up the field as a number 10, I don't know, but there's a lot of possibilities and a lot of uh, moving parts in this midfield that I find very interesting, Todd. Yeah, there are a lot of moving parts. If you look at the way the hand sets up a lot of the time, it's it, it's kind of similar to like a 4-1-4-1 four, one, four, one sort of thing, which is really funky, to be fair. And, and then in a, um, a defensive shape, it kind of drops to like a 3-5 or a, a, a 2 uh, or excuse me, a 3-5-2. But um, I think that there's going to be a lot of Eve Basuma play. Uh, just kind of right in front of the center backs. Uh, I think that you will expect one or two of those midfielders to play a more um, aggressive role, maybe offensively, than we've seen them play in previous first systems. Um, I don't necessarily know that I'm comfortable with that being Pierre or Oliver Skip at the current moment in time. I like Eve Basuma playing a little bit deeper and facilitating, and that kind of leaves me to go, well, um, Maybe we do need to pick somebody else up. So I don't know. Yeah, I think it's right that we potentially have some good depth set up already, but I still feel like we need to bring in at least one sort of central attacking midfielder who is proven, reliable, ready to go, experienced. Madison. Because um, I think we've got, we got a lot of like up and coming talent, you know, somewhat younger players, players who have been successful at you know, lower level clubs, I suppose you could say. Um, but we or even, or even from our own youth ranks, Alfie Devine, Harvey White, those types of names come to mind as well as guys who could potentially break into this squad. I think we're probably a year early on those two names, Andrew, to be fair. Um, but you're, it's getting harder and harder to leave them out. You also have to remember guys like, uh, how about this? How about Dane Scarlett? Well, not really a midfielder, but I hear what you're saying. And 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 that takes us back right back around to these attacking players like Brian Heal. I think he's another one that, you know, Brian Heal is a name that I'm very interested in. I just don't still just don't know if he's cut from a Premier League cloth, if you will. Uh, he's obviously had great success in Spain and I think could continue to do that if that's what he chose to do, but um Brian Heal is a name that 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 is intriguing to me as well. Um, and I, it'll be interesting to see what, what the club thinks about a guy like that. So in terms of all of these loan players, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fat to trim. And I don't say that in a negative way. I'm not saying that these guys are just fat that need to be cut out. I'm saying there's a lot of figuring out how you're going to marble this steak and, and, and get the, get the, the, the right amount of flavor in it. Um, and you know, these loan players are going to have a lot to do with that. So I'll be really interested to see kind of how all of that plays out the the right back is another really important spot too with pedro poro jed spence emerson royale and then you look at the left side and we talked about ryan sessignan I, I don't know what to make of 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 that player at all um 
I'm not going to say the, the 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 infamous line because it, it gets overplayed. But if 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 dude can't stay on the field, dude can't stay on the field. Um, oh yeah, that, I don't see him. I don't see him at Spurs next year. To be fair. Yeah, I, I I'm just I'm unsure about it. But but then you've got three right back slash right wing backs, and maybe Poro is more of a right wing. Who knows? Uh-uh. And then, no. Ah, uh-uh. Destiny Udoji, baby. Oh well, D- Destiny Udoji. Thank you. I that's a that's a good shout. I had not. Um, that's that's a name that of course yeah he's he's going to be coming back and again there will be an adjustment period for that um to happen and and whether or not he's he's the a one. left back a left <laughs> wing back yeah i hope so i i do trust me but um the other big factor in all of this too is center backs because you've got cody romero we talked about ben davis what else you got if if eric dyer's not around davison sanchez d- does anyone They're talking care? about re-signing longley um and they're talking about bringing in uh, another left-sided center back to be fair we need somebody to play the tip of the spear as well because eric dyer is flat out not good enough and needs to leave and by the way we also need another goalkeeper unless fraser forster is your starter next year i'm telling you there's rumblings about onana ohana onana whatever i've been talking about him for years and years yeah there's been rumblings about him for years well, I'm just saying they're actually they're picking up speed now at a time when we when we had Hugo come out yesterday and say I made a decision to leave. Uh, everybody's talking about David Raya, which I think is a great shot as well. I wouldn't be upset about that. We need a young, athletic, goalkeeper. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think goalkeeper. Obviously, we have to bring in someone new, but the center back position is really, I think, the most important piece of the puzzle this summer because I think we're down to like one maybe two legitimate starters in the back line and there's a desperate need to bring in more quality there and I'm not totally sold on Longley I don't know something about the fact that you look at a lot of the goals he conceded towards the end of the season and he was in every single frame kind of like we used to talk about Eric Dyer so something's not right there and I don't think his passing distribution has kind of lived up to the hype either personally i'm not sold on any center back on this team and that includes christian romero um and it includes you know i i talked i'm i'm a ben davis fan but as a squad player he's not a bang on starter every week for me either um and it's his versatility that makes me in favor of him the fact that he can play left wing back play a little left back if need be play on the left side as a center back but i'm not sold on you know, even Christian Romero as just he's the unequivocal guy in this team. And there's even one name that we haven't brought up in the center back role that I think it's going to be time to make a real decision on. That's Jaffa Tanganga. I mean, there's a real, um, and excuse the, the the phrase, but there's a real shit or get off the pot attitude that I, I think we need to have with players of, of that ilk. And the same goes for, for Davidson Sanchez. I put kind of both of those guys. I know one's a homegrown, one's not. Um, but they're both kind of in the same category for me as not good enough for the level that we want to go to, but still just kind of hanging around and being backups. And I would be in favor of getting all of that stuff out of all all those types of players out of the club and moving on, but you got to bring in bodies and that's where it becomes hard because where do you find the quality defenders and quality center backs uh, to, to come in? So, I mean, Javid Tanganga is is the English Cameron Carter Vickers, if we're calling it what it is. Like, I think that his level is, is probably, you know, lower tier Premier League, upper tier championship or Scottish, uh, the Scottish Premiership. Um, I, I agree there's a shitter get off the pot, but I think that we've already seen all the things that we need to see from Jack. Like, like God love him, he's a Tottenham kid and all that, but um, it's it just, you're just not there, right? So um, there are proven uh, Premier League center backs all over that you can negotiate with and pay money to their clubs and sign them over. It happens every single year. You see good teams getting better every single year. Look, I mean, freaking city's talking about bringing in Kovacic. They don't fucking need Kovacic, but they're going to bring in Kovacic. And, and, And you're looking at that going, well, if they can do that, then surely we can go sign Mark Gruel from Crystal Palace or something along those lines. Does that make sense? It, it it does. It's just that's not gonna that's not gonna fire up the masses. You know what I mean? And I I wouldn't expect it to. Look, this is a club that doesn't have 
you know, doesn't have Europe, doesn't have, I'm not going to say it doesn't have high ambitions, but doesn't have high expectations. So that's not going to fire everyone up, but I get it. And that's kind of where we are right now. That's, that's part of this long, painful rebuild that we've been talking about. Sometimes I just wonder if as a club, we're even asking the question about some of these players, you know, it seems like we're much more content to just look for who's available and not act, you know, proactively go out and, you know, offer up the money and make it happen. God, it sounds really familiar to what this managerial search has been for months, doesn't it? I mean, my goodness. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it really does seem like Daniel Levy goes to the clearance rack of players every single window and goes, where's the best value? Where's, where's the, the, the Nike track top for 50% off? And you're like, well, it's still Nike. It's still a Premier yeah. League City. It's still a Barcelona player, long leg, right? Like you know, Royale, right? It's it's uh, it's still a Real Madrid player in uh, in, in what's his name, uh, Sergio. I don't know, man. I, I just it's it's like he's going to TJ Maxx or Ross and shopping. It's hundred percent. The, desi- he, he the, design, a- the designer labels rather than going to the to the designer labels and shopping for them. Yes, which is fine. I mean, I fucking do that. Everybody like, else in the big. It, Listen, you look every time. I love that. Don't get me wrong. That is a staple of, of how we get down. And that's where you're going to find your Eve Basumas uh, two weeks before he gets cleared of sexual assault allegations for 40 million cheaper than his market value. And yeah. so shout to Daniel Levy for being on a lookout. But every now and then, dude, you got to go to fucking Nordstrom's if you need a dress shirt. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. It, it, it's we're, we're, we're going to have to figure that out. That's that's going to be. Again, part of this long, painful rebuild that is um, still somehow going on and is going to be going on into the into the next handful of years. But hopefully, we at least now have a little bit of vision toward uh, what it could become as as the season. You know, the season just wrapped, and all of a sudden, there, there's a lot of accounts out there that are already like, "Oh, we're 50 days away from you know the start of the preseason," and it's like, "Okay, yeah, but let's let's have a still ha- we we can have a breather." So you know what I'm saying. Um, that's, I think that's we, we've pretty much covered the squad there. If there's any other names that 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 we didn't mention that you want to hear about, let us know. Let us know in the comments. Uh, tweet us at Tottenham Depot. Uh, we can figure that out. Um, before we jump, we do want to mention there's there's a lot of news on the women's front too, Caroline. This week, uh, a lot of news. It's been a really busy week in Tottenham Hotspur, despite it, you know, the games not being around. Um, let's start with the really good news. Beth England named to the England squad, uh, something that we all thought would happen. We're glad did happen. Really, really cool. Unfortunately, no Ash Neville in that squad, but the Beth England news is really big. Um, Really cool moment to see that this week, right? Right. I think even more exciting if you're one of our British listeners, or English, I should say. Um, You know, I, as a fan of the U.S. team, I don't love the idea of Beth playing against it does it does make it a little more daunting right because I know how talented she is and you know I think there's been a lot of discussion like obviously I think Rachel Daly is probably going to be the presumed starter for the English team because she's coming off a golden boot season um I mean I think Serena Vigman has finally accepted that she is a striker and not a left back so good work there Serena um but to me, you know, Beth England had a much more impressive season than Alicia Russo. So in my opinion, she should definitely be the one getting the, the substitute minutes. Um, so, yeah, that was that was really good for Beth. And it's, it's tough for Ash because she has been one of our most dependable and consistent players, but she's just never gotten that look in at the England squad. But I honestly think that of our current squad besides Beth, Molly Bartrip might even be in with a shout for obviously not this tournament, but, you know, possibly getting an invite to, you know, the next, the next few call-ups because she's really starting to prove herself and is still fairly young. So she could have a shot. That's a good point. And, and the, the appointment to the national team was a nice early birthday present as well for Beth England who celebrated yesterday, the the third. Uh, So happy birthday to her. Uh, The other really big news out of, the women's camp this week was all the departures. We had what, what was it? Five or six departures from the club. Do you want to take us through those quickly and, and figure like this, this was, this was actual news that, that, that we got and kind of this turning over of the squad that we knew was going to happen going into this summer. Right. Yes. So 
I'll read them out, but I'll start by saying that she kind of spoiled it because she posted her farewell <laughs> message yeah. to fans like the day before it came out. Um, so basically, Karis Harrop, Chioma Ubagagu, Kaya Simon, Cho Soyun, and Esther Morgan are leaving at the end of their contracts. And Mana Iwabuchi is also leaving at the end of her loan. Um, and I think presumably will not be coming back. Uh, I think her loan was not as successful as we could have hoped. But the big one in this list is obviously Karis Harrop. She's been a hugely important player to the team. And she also set the record for WSL appearances all time this season while with Spurs. So that's a phenomenal achievement. Um, personally, I think she was kind of in the Ben Davis situation where this is a player that I would have been happy for us to keep as, as a squad option, as a leader, um, somebody who's been with the team for a while and, you know, can continue that culture. But it's, you know, we don't know. Maybe this was partially a decision on her end because she's talked a lot about how, you know, she's been in school and she's got plans for after football as well. So, I mean, I hope that she's not retiring because I think she still has something to give to another club. But if, if she does, it would not be a complete surprise either. And the, the other players, most of them fall in the category of like had some potential but didn't really work out. Um, obviously, Chioma had had her drug suspension, which really, you know, kind of affected her time at the club. Kaya Simon had her ACL injury this season. And for me, it's a little disappointing to see the club letting her go when she's still mid-recovery. That just doesn't feel good to me. Yeah, that's um, a little tough. Yes. So I wish her really well. She's a really nice person. I met her at the Women's Cup last season. Um, so good luck to her. And Esther Morgan, I think, was the other one that was a little disappointing to me because she's a young player. She is actually a Tottenham fan. So, you know, one of our own. And I thought she had potential, but it seems like the club didn't see her progressing to the level um, that they quite wanted because they had sent her out on loans the past two seasons. So pretty tough decision there, but hopefully she'll go on to do good things. I, 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 I love your shout on, on Harrop being the, 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 the Ben Davis comp, because we still don't really know what will happen with Ben Davis either. And this, this one went this way and who knows, um, obviously, that is probably the most impactful one. But the, the other one that really stood out to me was Iwabuchi. I really expected that loan spell to have gone much, much better. And that is that one stinks also just because it's Arsenal and like you would have loved to. It's such it's such a rare thing to get a loan player from a, from a rival like that. And even even in the women's game. But like you would have liked to have seen that work out really well. And it just didn't. Yeah, and we had had a loan from them last season as well. Uh, Victoria Schnatterbeck, she was a center back. And same thing, like we had really high hopes and just didn't work out. Although obviously Iwabuchi is on a much higher level than Schnatterbeck, no offense to her. Because, um, you know, Iwabuchi is like a internationally known, you know, player for Japan. She's been really successful. And I think it was really clear to see in her first few games with us, like the kind of technical ability and sort of, vision that she brought that we were kind of lacking in the squad but injuries kind of slowed her down and we didn't really get to see the best of what she had to offer um so it's it's kind of one of those like what could have been moments no question do we have any other um kind of news on the women's front in terms of managerial appointment in terms of rumors about signings entering this summer it's it seems kind of quiet on that front does it not yeah, we honestly haven't heard much about incoming rumors. I know there was something floating around today about Casey Stoney, uh, the manager of my beloved San Diego Wave, possibly wanting to come back to the WSL. But it's significant to note that we are not the only club looking for a manager. So <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean anything, although I've spoken about how I think playing style-wise, she would be a really great fit for us. But that's you know kind of a pipe dream i think still at this point and we haven't really heard anything about players and coming yet that nothing concrete anyway yeah no question it, it, it'll be something to watch for obviously it's still very early it's you know june 4th it's not like uh you know it's, it's not like it's not like there's a game next week or, or or even in a few weeks to to worry about but it would be something to that would be nice for them to get sorted uh sooner rather than later that way you can you know go into that new season uh, with that mindset. So 
uh, something to watch out for in the coming weeks. Uh, that's going to do it for us here at the Tottenham Depot. This is, um, you know, the first one of these that we do in the off season that kind of, I always, I always get a little nervous because, you know, there's not a game to talk about, but there's always news. So it's, it's really fun to be able to, to chop it up for 60 minutes or so every week with you guys and, uh, and, and do it up that way. We will be back to do it again next week because I'm sure we'll either have more news or more fodder to talk about because uh, Spurs Twitter always seems to give us that. So uh, you can follow Todd at TC underscore Kashow. You can follow Caroline at CG Stefko. You can follow me at a Stetka. Follow us at Tottenham Debo as well. Leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice and subscribe, subscribe. That way the podcast just gets downloaded to you automatically and uh, you don't even have to worry about it. So uh, until next week, this has been a fun one as always come on you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs.